I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things super coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts, Whisper and Brew. Oh, mate, it still bothers me to this day that I spent, I don't know, 30, 40 bucks on that intro, and I forgot that Americans pronounce Jewel differently to us. Uh, we're, we're probably like 20 episodes into this podcast, but it still bothers me to this day. We'll never get over it, um, but not too much else can be said. We're here to talk the Seagulls, and I mean, it's, it's, it's a one-man show, no denying that. Where are we sitting on Turbo? Because there's obviously pros, obviously cons. 1.26 million or something ridiculous like that. Brew, you're against him. I'm against him. But it's hard to talk people off him, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. Um, look, I'm, it's not so much that I'm against him. It's just that I think the price is unsustainable. The average is unsustainable. Therefore, I feel like if you wait and you make your moves correctly, there's just a better time. We all want him. There's no denying it. So it's not like we're against him. It's just to start when you have a certain cap and you haven't made any money yet. It's just like I've done it with Cleary, but to... To do it with Turbo, that, that, that extra 300K, it goes a long way. It, re- it makes you really thin. And I think anyone making sides with Jaboyevic has way too many NPRs or too many people that they're just hopeful for that aren't realistic. I've been doing the live streams, the Rate My Team live streams on YouTube. I'll give it a plug. Tuesdays, Thursdays, 7.30 um, Sydney time. And yeah, not many sides have had Turbo. I think I've seen one or two. And I don't think I liked either of those two. If more NPRs that we think are not going to start do come up, we get a Max King, we get an Isaiah Tass, we get a Talon May, it makes it more plausible. Um, but the numbers that he put up last year were were astronomical. Uh, it's it's ridiculous as to what he did. Um, Manly finished fourth with a with a sixteen and eight record. With Turbo, they went twelve and three for an eighty percent win record. Without Turbo, they went four and five. Those four wins that they had was a one-point win over the Raiders in round 23, a 16-point loss to the Dragons in round 18, a, sorry, the wins that they had, so they had a one-point win over the Raiders in round 23, a 16-point win over the Dragons in round 18, they thumped the Cowboys 50-18 to 18 in round 14, and then the one-point win in round five over the Warriors. So out of the four wins that they had with Turbo, two of them were decided by a field goal. Doesn't leave you very confident for them, I guess, Turbo-less, uh, DCE lists over the origin period like they probably will struggle um, I've got some pretty in-depth stats on Turbo's form and, and players around him when he plays and doesn't play and we'll touch on those soon enough they finished with an 8-4 and four record both home and away 
and they ranked fourth in terms of points scored with 744. That was an average of 31 points a game. Uh, when it comes to defense, they conceded 492 points, which is roughly 21 points a game. That ranked them sixth. So fourth in attack, sixth in defense. Probably sits them, yeah, about fourth or fifth where they finished up last year, which considering the start they had, I think they went 0-4 and, and they had that one-point win against the Warriors in round five to, to boost their season. The turbo factor, mate. Um, I said that they averaged 31 points a game, just in general. Like, that's from rounds 1 to 25. They averaged 31 points a game. With turbo in the side, they averaged 36.6, which is the highest in the NRL by a long way. So, like, Melbourne Storm, Melbourne Storm, we know that they put up record points last year. I think they put up on average 32 points a game. And with turbo in the side, Manly were putting up 36.6. Without Turbo, they were putting up 18.2. So basically double the attacking output when you had Tom Dravojevic inside last year, mate. Do you think we'll see a season like that ever again? It's possible, but it's only possible for that side with Tom Dravojevic. Yeah, you wouldn't see it from a Melbourne. You wouldn't see it from a Roosters just because there's there's too many hands that need to get the ball. Whereas it, at Manly, it's it's DCE onto Turbo, and that's kind of the game plan. Turbo can do things that no other player can do, and no one's figured out how to stop it. If they figure out how to stop it, then Manly will be in trouble because without him, the numbers are the numbers. Like, we, we've seen it. They, they're just not the same side. So that's why it's really hard when, when it comes to predicting a finish for Manly. Like... I. With no other club, I sit there and go, well, if they lose that player, maybe they'll finish here. But with this side, I sit there and go, you know, I'm not going to lie. My predicted finish for Manly is fourth this year. I've got them finishing fourth again. Maybe third, um, interchangeable with Melbourne, but they could finish as low as 12th or 13th if Turbo, you know, if Turbo were to get injured again, they could be a bottom four side. It's just... I've never seen a side that is so one-man team as this side is. And those numbers from last year just prove that completely. Like, their attacking numbers with Turbo are out of this world. Like, to to average 37 points a game, think about it. There, there would have been games in there where they scored 12 points. It's funny. And they that, still average 36.5, as you said. Like, that's that's nuts, bro. It's funny that you say that. Like, it's it's baffling how bad Manly are without Turbo, considering they have Cherry Evans, Australian number seven, um, for a long time. Kieran Foran, uh, New, Zealand, New Zealand number six for a long time. Uh, Gerbo, before these rules were changed, he was probably Australia's best 13. Um, th- like, they've got a really good spine on paper, but it just didn't click without Turbo. And... I mean, he was he was breathtaking. Like I said, 18.2 points a game without him, 36.6 with him, double the output. And, and to be the, the most attacking side in the NRL when it comes to points per game with him in the side, it's, it's incredible. You had them in fourth. I've got them in fifth. Um, I've got South at fourth. That's probably a little bit too high. I mean, we'll, I might need to readjust my ladder. I'm going colder on the Titans as uh, that podcast ages a couple of days old as well. Yeah, you've, you've, you've convinced me on the Titans. A lot of people have convinced me as well. Um, look, when it comes to Manly, they've got Penrith round one. No Cleary. We don't know. If that's true, then that's definitely a game they can win. They've got the Roosters away. They've got the Dogs at home, the Raiders at home, the Knights away. So the first two rounds aren't great. And then it opens up dramatically, which is the case for Turbo because 
you and I have said this many, many times. Round three, it's pretty slim pickings for captaincy. So, I mean, yeah, you could start with Turbo and, and captain him against the Dogs, and, and it could be anything. And when it comes to their gains, this is a pretty short and sharp one. They've had one gain. Ethan Bullimore has come from the Broncos, and their losses. Curtis Tiernan off to St. Helens. Cade Cust off to Wigan. How an NRL club hasn't picked Cade Cust up baffles me. Moses Suley and Jack Gasecki, Jack G, you know what I'm talking about. They both go to the Dragons. Tavita Funa off to Rugby Union, and Zach Sadler has been released on the injuries slash suspension fronts. Josh Alloy A is suspended for three games. Apart from that, Dez should have the ability to pick probably his best 17 outside of LOA. Uh, mate, do you agree with my stance on Cade Cust? I find it ridiculous that no one has offered him a contract at the NRL. 100%. Couldn't agree more, to be honest. I look at some of the Newcastle sides could do in with the Cade NRL. Cust. Newcastle was the exact side I was going to say. Like, Cade Cust is... This guy, he could light up the NRL if he was given the proper opportunity. And... The fact that Manly let him go is really surprising to me because Kieran's on old legs and Kieran is on old injured legs. If he goes down, Cust is the perfect man to sit in that six beside Cherry. So I didn't actually know that they'd release Cust, to be honest with you. I must have missed that news because that's really shocking to me. So I'm kind of taking this reaction live. I'm not happy about that. I was literally talking about Cust at work today. I'm pretty sure he's the betting favourite for the Man of Steel. No surprise there. Um, I'm not saying Cade Cust is as good as Connor Watson, but he can definitely do a job. Like, And the Knights lost Connor Watson. You could definitely have Cade Cust come on and play 14 because he can play 13, he, it- can, he can play 9, he can play centre, he can play 5-8 uh, as well. Watson's the bigger asset, but if you're talking about pure 6s or 6 or 7s, Cust is way better than Watson. Yeah. Um, Curtis Sirenen as well, like father time, probably catching up on him a little bit. So I don't blame them for cutting ties with, with Ciro and a few injuries here or there. But yeah, Cade Cast. I mean, Moses Sully showed glimpses of promise last year outside of Turbo. I probably could have showed glimpses of promise outside of Turbo. Um, Jack G. Yeah. To be a Funa, never really lived up to the hype that I guess was placed on him. Hopefully he can find a spot in rugby where it's probably a little bit slower and he has a little bit more space. Uh, in those deep backline set moves. And Zach Sadler, we probably didn't see enough of him to make a comment. But Ethan Bullimore is the big inclusion. Does he get a spot? We don't know. Brew and I will give our predicted round one sides. It's it's hard to assess with Alloy out. Uh, but Brew and I will give our, yeah, our predicted 17s. Um, no spoilers. Brew and I have the exact same one through 13. So uh, I'll do the backs. You do the forwards, mate, um, at fullback. I could probably stop there. If we, wanted to ma- if we wanted to name Manly's team, we could probably just name fullback and, and be done with this pod. But obviously, we've got Turbo there. Uh, look, Tom Travojevic, 15 games last year, 25 tries, 27 try assists, 30 line breaks, 35 line break assists. This is what an average game for Turbo looked like. If you're just breaking down the numbers, so he on average, he had 3.4 try involvements a game. So if you're just looking at the pure numbers, a very, very black and white game for Turbo looks like this. 1.7 tries, 1.8 try assists, two line breaks and 2.6 line break assists per game on average for a casual 143 super coach points. Nothing out of the ordinary for there, considering the record was held by Turbo, not Turbo, the record was held by Teddy two years ago with like 92 or something. And then we had guys like Garrick, uh, we had guys like Cleary and Turbo blow that out of the water last year with the, the new rule interpretations. 
For the wing spots, we've got Jason Saab and Ruben Garrick. Now, this is a stat from round 17, so the numbers might not be 100% accurate, but I remember posting it, so I went back and had a look and found it. With Turbo in the side, Garrick averaged 65.6. Without Turbo, Garrick averaged 19.8, so a 45-point drop-off when it comes to production with Jason Saab. Ruben Garrick, look, he had a 47-point jump from 2022 to 2021, like 40, 47 points when it comes to his averages, which is probably, outside of Turbo, one of the biggest jumps we saw last year um, from, yeah, basically 2021 to 22. Like, 47-point jump is huge. Rounds 1 to 5, I wanted to look at Brew. Um, that was when they started without Turbo. 57, 22, 88, 33, 49. So, two games above 50 and a couple of stinkers there. Um, the concerning thing when it comes to Garrick, he had 12 games below his average um, which shows you how hot and cold he was. He played all 24 games last year, so 12 games below his average. So he only went above his average half the time, but when he went above, like we know he went huge. So where are our thoughts when it comes to Saab and Garrick? As I said, Saab was averaging 65.6 with Turbo in the side, and Garrick, although averaged a astronomical score, was very inconsistent. Okay, so Jason Saab, for me is say comparable to Alex Johnston. He's at, he's in the 400. So pick your time to jump on him, get him at what you think will be the bottom dollar. Hopefully eventually carry him as a fifth, play him on good matchups. Don't play him on poor matchups. We know he's got the ceiling. He's at least reasonably priced. So I don't mind Saab, for example, I don't like Manly's first two weeks. They are extremely difficult. It which doesn't would, get much harder. Which would be perfect so, for Saab because hopefully he just goes five and five and then against the Bulldogs might fall over and get 50 and then we get him at like a decent price round four. Yeah, which leads me to Garrick. Now, look, I've, I've seen Garrick in, I wouldn't say a lot of sides, but more than I expected. To be honest, I didn't expect to see him in any sides. I thought people would see the light and see that Last year, last year is not going to happen again. It's simply not going to happen. His price is astronomical for a guy whose, you know, base isn't massive. His base plus power is okay because he goal kicks. We know he's going to get big scores over the course of the season if, disclaimer, Turbo is fit. But if he's not, he's nothing. Like, he's going to be a... 450k player without turbo. He and had he had glimpses at fullback though. I think he had a 77 and 100 in 100 in a, in a three game sample at fullback. So it's hard to say he won't be nothing if if turbo goes down and Garrick plummets to like 400k. I don't hate the world of picking him up at fullback, but then does Des even play him there? Do they put Dylan Walker back there? Like who knows? I, I understand what okay. you're saying. Garrick is owned by five percent of teams, which personally. I feel is probably four, three or four percent too high. I, I'm surprised it's five. Look, if he's owned by Manly fans, so be it. I get it, but I'm telling you, his price is higher than Teddy. It's higher than Pappenhausen. It's 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 higher than Harry Grant. Higher than Fafita. Payne Haas and like it's. I'm pretty sure it's higher than David Fafita. Like, yeah. look at things logically. If you would rather have any of the players that I said or Garrick, who would you rather have? I'm telling you, it's not Ruben Garrett because in Ruben, 
Ruben Garris case by round four, he could be worth 500 grand. He could lose 300 K if he goes out and bangs out a couple of thirties and a, you know, a 70 against the dogs. I haven't worked it out, but his price drop would be massive. My thing is, and it just doesn't make sense to me. My thing is the game is going to slow down next year. Like last year it was touch footy. Um, well, we assume that. And I think, I, I think the changes with the, the six to goes in your own half, should ensure that there is a change and that it will affect point scoring. But we also don't know. Yeah. Like it's it's not conclusive, but you've got I've got I've just got a gut feel that like but we're not gonna see Manly win sixty six nil every week. We're not gonna see them be down twenty four nil at half time against the Titans and score like fifty unanswered points in the second half. I remember that because I had a lot of money on Manly that game. So I do remember that one quite well. Um, it's like some of the scores they were putting up is is quite frankly ridiculous, and, and it is down to Turbo. Like I said, the bloke was averaging one point seven tries, one point eight try assists, two line breaks, two point three line break assists every game. Like what he was doing was was ridiculous, and then Saab and Garrick were the huge winners out of that. Surprisingly, the winners that weren't that were Brad Parker and Morgan Harper. Now Brad Parker had two scores above sixty all year. He should regress, like because of the scoring. Like, how do you have Turbo? doing what he does, and you have two scores over 60 all year. Same with Morgan Harper. He had one outlier score um, for a total average of 54. I don't see any improvement. So the speedsters in Garrick and Saab are the ones to target here, and it's not Parker or Harper. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Exactly, man. Like, yeah. like That's the best Turbo's going to get. Like, Turbo's not going to get better than 143. So therefore, how does Parker and Harper get better? Like, I think the I think the players that are going to improve in this side are the edges, not the centers. Honestly, I honestly don't know. To be honest with you, like, it's but, yeah. it's a real head scratcher. Like, I'm not keen on either center. To be honest, it all seems to go through the wingers at Manly. Most of it is cut out passes and. And the centers don't touch it. Neither of them have extremely high base. So I don't have much interest, not to jump ahead, but obviously, but I don't have a lot of interest in either center mm. at all. Yeah. Not, but going back to Garrick for a second. So look, I've just done some calculations and let's say he went 50, 50 and 70 instead of 30, 30 and 70. Which is very I reasonable. So, I, th- I think 50, 50 is generous. So we're being kind here to Garrick. Like 50, 50, 70, you'd be pretty happy. Like, like for example, if if I start the season with Kurt Mann or Momorowski or Stags, for example, and they go 50, 50, 70. Ecstatic. I'll be cheering. I'll be loving life. You and I will be but very if, smug on Twitter. <laughs> if Garrick does that, You're pulling by round up. three, he loses what? Uh, so... First round after lockout, he loses 80. And then if he does average 70 thereafter, he ends up losing 90 and 100 and 120. Like 
the losses are astronomical. And I don't think people understand that centers at this price, all it takes is one or two bad scores and their score, their price absolutely plummets hundreds of thousands of dollars. And personally, if he drops to 490 K, I will be all over that like a beaver on a hunk of wood. I will not hesitate to grab him. But why pay $770,000 off the bat when he's got two hard matchups to start the season? It makes zero sense to me. That's, I'm outraged by it. That's the thing. People listening to this need to understand. Brew and I are not ragging on Ruben Garrick as a supercoach asset. Not at all. We're ragging, no, on, the, we're ragging all. on the price tag. I want to own him, but you need to pick him at the right time. Like, why pick him and know that you're going to lose a couple of hundred thousand dollars? I really don't see him scoring 190 points in the first three weeks. I just don't see it. Maybe later in the year and, and if, if Manly get going and, you know, Cherry Evans finds his groove and maybe by then Sigiara is in the side and gives him some speed out of the ruck. God. These things, yes. God, but I, I hope to not. start the season, no way. You're just asking to lose money. And if you're going to argue, oh, but the price of a trade, a trade is not worth two or three hundred grand, which is what you are definitely going to lose on Garrick. Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you've said there. It's it's very hard to argue that that point. And I'm hoping people with Garrick in their side try and see past the good and, and maybe have a look because it's not, not going to be roses. It's not going to be all perfect. Like there will be struggles. So. Every team goes through them. I mean, look at Newcastle. That game against Newcastle when Turbo scored 40, that was... I still can't remember. I still can't work out that game, how Turbo scored so few against the Newcastle side. Um, that was the back five, you and I, in our starting 13s. Uh, Turbo, Saab, Parker, Harper, Garrick, uh, and the Harbs picked pick themselves, Foran and DCE. Now, when it comes to Kieran Foran, I haven't looked back past 2017 because there's no point to. He's never averaged more than 54 last year. Uh, he had a 10-point drop-off in a historical season. So if you're scoring as many points as Manly are and you're still losing 10 points, I don't really see much value, even at a good price. Uh, what Best-case scenario, he jumps up to 50 from an average of 44, and is six points of value really worth a gamble on Kieran Foran? I don't think it is. And when it comes to DCE, look, post-origin, mate, he averaged 105. He had a 119 three-round average and a 99 five-round average. He had seven tons and... The concerning thing with DCA is his career stats before last year, 62, 62, 62, 64, and then 79. Can he do it again? Or is like the the aggressions that we have with everyone else also going to come down to DCA? Because he's a half that, that doesn't goal kick. He's a half that relies heavily on his fullback. Um, he's a half that can create for himself, but not as much as someone like a Hughes or what we expect Hines to be. I'm I'm pro Cherry Evans to be honest with you. I I think in your te- in your team right now, isn't he? Not as of this morning. Ooh. Um, I kept Hines over him, but I'm still debating whether or not to go Hines or Cherry Evans. Basically, at the moment, um, the reason I've gone Hines is just because the five round lookout is a lot stronger uh, than say Cherry Evans is with those first two weeks. So there is a chance that maybe I could pick Cherry Evans up a little bit cheaper later, but everything you said, he, he finished the season like a house on fire. What worries me is that Turbo's older. He's stronger. He obviously found ways to keep his body in better shape. He got through all of last season 
I'm sure he's training his ass off right now. I don't know if Turbo's injury curse will continue. You know, we saw Teddy when he started as a young fella. He got injured for the Tigers and then he came back and then he did it again. And he's had a few injuries here and there. But since, well, the last season or two before he went to the Roosters and and obviously whilst he's been at the Roosters, it hasn't been reoccurring. And I think it coincides with the age of the player, the body strengthens, the risk of injury is less. And, and I'm kind of expecting that Turbo being injured isn't going to be a narrative maybe after this season. I, I think he'll be fine. It's just whether teams can shut him down. And I think to a degree they will. But not, I don't not, know not, how not shut much him that's down. going to affect Cherry Evans. Probably slow him, yeah, no, slow him down is probably slow a, a better down. term to use because well, you ain't I, shutting, I you ain't shutting Turbo be, down. I don't think he's going to be scoring two to three tries a week, which is basically what he was doing last season. You know, I think you'll get to the point where he might score one a week. Maybe on a good day he'll score two, but I don't think he's going to be going three tries, you know, sub-regularly like he yeah. was last season. 3.4 so, try, try involvements a game last year, whether that be trials or try assists. He's still going to have massive involvement. He'll a- he'll average 100, no no doubt whatsoever. I don't know what the hell that was. Um, but in terms of Cherry Evans, I, I'm sure he will go all right this season. Will he average the same as last season? Well, you know, maybe not, but I still think he'll go well enough to warrant the selection. And I still think he'll probably be the second overall choice. Whether or not you can pick him up cheaper, yes. But at the same time, I find the halves, five-eighth and halfback, at times are difficult positions during the season. So sometimes I just want to pick the players that I think I'm going to have, even if they do lose a bit of money. I, I more look at them and go, what will they be worth at the end of the season sometimes with with halves when I'm making that decision. Like a guy like Cleary is a bit different. He's nearly a million bucks. I'm sure I can probably get him for say eight or eight fifty at some point. Therefore I save a little bit of money. Cherry, I think Cherry maybe goes to say five seventy five, but then he'll probably finish the season between the six and the six seventy five that he is now. So then I go, I'll just take the points. Yeah, totally fair. Like my, and I know, I know you're against Cherry, but like for me, that's kind of how I look at it with with halves because you only get to pick two, so you want to make sure you kind of set yourself up a little bit so you're not playing halves roulette and constantly trading in there. I'm not against DCE. I'm just against career outlier years. I was last year. I am this year. 62, 62, 62, 64. Pretty consistent. 79 when your fullback has one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen, I just worry that Cherry comes back to even better than what he was before, but not 79. So he's back to like a 70. It's a nine point decrease and I can pick him up when he bottoms out. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too optimistic with that because his average post origin was 105. So like he finished the year incredible. As I said, 119, three round average, 99, five round average to finish the year. He was definitely there. Asked Tim Moody how good uh, DCE is because he single-handedly won him the the overall title. Like He was choosing between SJ and DCE when they were both sort of up in the air. And DCE's numbers shit on basically any other half that wasn't named Nathan Cleary. And probably you could argue he was more more valuable than Nathan Cleary considering Cleary got injured. 
Um, on the turbo injury narrative, yeah, look, obviously he suffered the mishap at the start of the season with Harry and then had the eye socket injury, but he's never had an eye socket injury before and you can just put that down to a freak accident, which I'm happy to yeah. write off. Um, I had the NRL physio on my pod uh, basically midway through last year. We touched on hamstring injuries and if there's something that reoccurs and physio told me that they're not, they're just something that happened. Like you can have weaker hamstrings, but it's just because you do one doesn't mean you're more susceptible to another one. So I do like your point of the body getting stronger. I also feel like somewhere like Manly and the Roosters have better strength and conditioning than a place like the Tigers. So you could put it down to that as well. I do. I don't like running the injury narrative. Um, people bring up perhaps HIAs, uh, Maddo's HIAs, Turbo's Hammies. I don't like running the injury narratives. So I do like your point there. Um, front row forwards, don't like either of them. Paseka and Tapao. Paseka only had three games over 60 None of those were with attack, so needed attack to have any kind of decent score. His minutes have been increasing year on year, but his PPM for a front row forward is only 1.04, so best case scenario, he he plays 50, 55 minutes in the front row, which I don't think happens, and he averages 50, 55 points a game, which, no, I'm not keen on that. Uh, Marty Tapao, he'll be 33 this year as well. Look, scores in the previous years of 65, 65, 61, 60, 58, drastically dropping down. Um, seven points over five years. Father Time is always undefeated, and it is catching up quick. Yeah, look, he, he's not someone that's really on my radar at all. I think eventually he's at the age where he's going to start to move, like a little bit like, say, Warrior Hargraves. I think he's going to start dropping into, say, an interchange more role. I, I just... I think Father Time, as you said, is catching up. And in terms of being a super coach asset, I just don't think he's that anymore. No, nor is Tanila Paseka. Um, at Hooker, we have Lock and Croker. Look, he showed flashes. Um, he had probably a six-week stretch where he was averaging 60, playing 70 minutes a game. But just too inconsistent. Too many better options at the price when it comes to Lock and Croker. You've also got the emergence of Carl Lawton, who can fill in at nine. You've also got Dylan Walker on the bench, who can play a bit of nine as well. Obviously signed um, James Aguiaro, and they still have Macy Farno, who has stood down uh, with the NRL's no non-at-fault policy or whatever it's called. So a bit of competition around nine. Croker, I'd be giving a miss. I am very keen on one of these edges, mate, and it's not Josh Schuster. Oh. Whoa. Hamal Olakowatu. Take out his bench games and take out the first three starts of his career because um, he's still quite green. Um, looking post post by. Basically, 66.8 points a game. He is That's... he is impressive. Well, I definitely liked what he did last year, so that doesn't surprise me. Um, how, what side does Cherry predominantly play? Uh, they kind of float. I mean, right. four, four, four runs, lines up on the left, but don't be surprised to see. Very similar to Penrith. So Luai lines up on the left. The way Cleary plays, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so Luai on the left, Cleary on the right. Whereas Manly are similar. Like, they'll line up with uh, four on the left, DC on the right, but you'll often find DC does shift over as well. So, very similar to the way Cleary plays. Well, 66.8, man. 66.8. Take out his bench game. Take out the first three starts he had when he was still had no idea what to do. post by. I probably should have looked at this more in detail. Um, I did, I didn't how much want, is he? Um, I didn't want to look at just his pure base because... It was skewed by um, some bench games and stuff. So if anyone's keen, I can do some more 
um, work on Hamwa Olakwa too, as I'm stalling for time to pull up his price. Yeah, I was very surprised to see him average nearly 67 points a game, uh, considering, I guess, how much he sort of went under the radar. He did score some tries here and there, but looked impressive. He comes in at 512k, so... I'm tasty. I'm quite keen on Satili Tupanua, and I've actually got him in my side at the moment, so I'd be interested to see the price difference between the two. Satili is probably, I think, off memory, 462, so probably 50k cheaper. Um... But I don't think I don't think Hamwell has the poor flaw that Satili does. So it's a case of whether you want to ride that out with those two. Interesting. Now I've mentioned well, I'm I've, gonna I'm definitely gonna look into him now after this podcast. I promise you that. Yeah. So I mentioned this, there's two halves I'm keen on. I was keen on one of them a week ago. I'm now keen on the other one. So obviously the Hamwell. I've gone cold on Josh Schuster, mate. I've gone cold on our boy. Look. Last year, average 57.6 at 2RF. Um, average was skewed because he had two fantastic games in the halves. Uh, I think he played a game at wearing the 7. I'm not going to say he played halfback. I'll say he played, wore the 7 but played as 5.8 and played a game at 6, uh, scored over 70 in both those games. So his average at 2RF is actually only 57.6. Finished the season very, very cold with a... Uh, 45 average to end the year. I think that was a three-round average. Uh, no, that was a five-round average. I think he averaged 45 to end the year. Second-year syndrome, question mark? Maybe, but he's not really in a position where I think it... Like, I know we spoke about Nakora, and I guess he had second-season syndrome, but I'm, I quite rate him. Like, I, I don't know if it it's going to happen. Like, he's a talented player. Shout out to TK from the Talking League podcast. I know you listen to this, mate. Uh, I'm going to use one of your terms. Am I just creating a narrative when it comes to Schuster? Am I just going against him looking at the way he finished last year? Because I think people are going to get sucked into this average that he had um, at two hours. Like, people are going to look at the, what, what was it, 62, 63, and think, oh, we can improve on that. But you take out the games um, he played, you take out the games he played at half, and it was only 57.6. Yeah, it's, it's certainly not as impressive, that's for sure. I'm not sure. I'm going to gonna have to do some homework here because he's really on my radar, to be honest with you. Definitely on my radar. He's on a lot of people's radar. He was also on mine. He was also... I, I, did, I did a live stream yesterday and I was talking him up and I did the stats for him today and he wasn't there. Um, so, yeah, the battle between Hamwell, Schuster, Satili, you could look at any of those guys that sit in that... I guess, high upside back row. Um, so, yeah, if you're choosing between Hamwell, Satili, and, and Schuster, then I'll definitely do some research, have a look between the two. But, yeah, really keen on Hamwell, like looking at his average of nearly 67 points a game after the bye and taking out, like, the starts he had as a... basically a rookie, his first three, three things. Um, he also had four scores under 60, Hamwell, in that period, but all four of them were in a row. So he obviously just had a... a so he went through a rut. Yeah, it just just went through like a month of just um, Supercoach rut, which probably... Expl- I didn't look at the numbers. I probably should have. But that may have been when the try scoring stopped. And that's the thing. I would have I would have had to look at his base and power, which I will... Um, I'll probably have a post on him tomorrow, actually. On the 5th of February, I'll do a post on Hamwell and we'll look at his stats in detail. So check, make sure you check that one out. Um, and the last one in our starting 13, mate, Jake Trevojevic. Supercoach gun, 
of the past. Former super coach of the gun. Past. <laughs> Averages of 73, 71, 63, 66, 56. He is plummeting. Unfortunately, the game is moving away from guys like Jerbo. He is at a decent price. I think he's like high 400. So if he can get back to a 60, 65, there's value. But I think there's minimal value, unfortunately. Look, anyone that picks Jerbo over, say, Tamalolo has rocks in their head because Jerbo's Jerbo's adapting to a Des Hasler style where he's a ball playing lock. He's like in the past, I think going into last season, people said, oh, yeah, but he didn't have Turbo. But he had Turbo all last season. And he, and he went, he he went worse. The same attacking stats. He went yeah, worse. It just they've they've changed the way that he plays. Do you so know who he reminds me of? The long minutes. Of he reminds who? me of Jai Arrow at the Titans. Just a bloke that just gets through work and is nothing special. Uh, I wouldn't say Jai Arrow is not like if he was playing lock for South. I can. No, no, I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm talking Jai Arrow at the Titans, not Jai Arrow now. Like Jai Arrow now on the edge is pretty cool. I like watching him. But Jai out at the Titans was just a big fish in a small pond, and I feel like that's what Jerbo has becoming. A former I name. Loved Jai Arrow at the Titans. It was only that he, his they minutes sucked. always got bloody moved around and changed, you know, week to week. You never knew, was he going to play 70 minutes or was he going to play 50? Somehow we find a way to talk about Jai Arrow in a manly podcast. Jerbo, look at the 73, 71 from years gone by, but it's dropped off year on year. And as you said... Oh, what if, what if when he finally gets Turbo playing good footy? Well, Turbo played the best footy that anyone could ever play, and he averaged Last season. He averaged fifty six. Average yeah, and that's what I look at. Like, I just don't see where the increase is going to come. Whereas Tamalolo had one bad season. You know, is that the outlier? Maybe it's the outlier uh, under the way that they want to play now. But I don't think so. To be honest, I, I think he's going to bounce back this year that he's knows that he's on a big money contract that he's, he's going to, he's going to turn up. He's going to play in my opinion. And um, I don't want to go too in depth. We haven't done the, the Cowboys yet, but I'm, like, I'm, I'm dreading, I'm dreading doing the Cowboys. Really looking at, yeah, it's going to be awful. Um, he's someone like I'm really looking at because I can see him bouncing back and being 485 or, or whatever he is. I'd a hundred percent take that over Jerbo to be honest with you. Yeah, that's fair. I just wanted to add some sound effects to try and make it look like we're disagreeing, but we're not because this podcast has been a lot of Bruno and I on the same page. Um, Jebo, I'm against. Schuster, mm, Hamwell, he's my new boy. He's probably he's probably like my new um, flash in the pan. I'll probably I'll probably get over him next week, like I do with most players. To power, no. Croker, no. Paseka, no. DC, I'm a no. Bruzy, yes. Uh, Foreign, no. Garrick, no. Hard, yes. Hard, yes. Uh, Garrick, no. Harper, no. Parker, no. Saab, yes. On the condition that you pick him up at a good price. I never thought I'd be saying that. And Turbo, we're both a yes, obviously, but we just can't do it. That's that's the problem. Um, mate, let's look at the bench. I think number 14 picks himself. He actually played really well last year. Bounce back year for Dylan Walker. Played really good. My issue with Dylan Walker isn't how he's playing. It's where does he fit when Aluai comes back? Uh, I probably think my number 17 drops out, um, and we'll touch on him soon. But Dylan Walker, I mean, I've got no super coach stats on him because it's the bench. Um, Dylan Walker. They were okay, from Dylan, memory. Oh, he like was a, 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 an Aldi version of Peachy. <laughs> Pretty much, but he played for a better side, so he looked better. Carl Orton also looked good when he came back. Did he? Uh, pretty sure he didn't. Oh, he was great. He, like honestly, 
coming from the Warriors and never really getting an opportunity, he earned that contract. Like yeah. he only had one year deal with them and they gave him an, I don't know if it was one or two years they gave him, but he literally earned that contract by the way that he played. And for me, he is probably the 14. And that's why I'm a little bit worried about Walker. Maybe when Aui comes back, because he demands selection. So someone's going to drop out. Yeah. Um, I don't think Sean Cappy's dropping out. In fact, I think Sean Cappy could be pushing for a starting spot over Paseka. Uh, I don't yeah, hate that. I so. agree on that. I did debate which one of those two would start. And Very I've interchangeable. I've given it to I, I think to start the season, they'll go safe and 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 go through Paseka. Um, Cappy, very good asset. Um, probably not so much super coach wise for now. But in terms of Manly squad, he, he's a great asset. He, he played really well for them last season. And lastly, to round it off, the new boy in town. This is who I feel is going to make way for Josh Alloyer when he comes back. It's Ethan Bullymore, who I am also going cold on. This is my new favorite phrase. Uh, 280K, feels like a trap. Three weeks, probably he's going to get. Uh, and then he's going to have to prove himself. He'll be fighting with guys like Andrew Davey as well for, for a spot. So... Two hundred eighty k. If he was two twenty, awesome. Two thirty, cool. Two forty, yeah. But two eighty, I'm starting to see the light. Starting to get a little bit more clarity when it comes to Ethan Bullymore. And that's what happens when we do these team podcasts. Like you've got all these guys in your head, and you sit down and make a seventeen. You think, oh shit, like where do their minutes? Where do their minutes come from? And I think I I think there's another back row slash center that might command some minutes later in the season in in Ben Trevojevic. So I was sitting here debating whether or not. Burbo is actually my 17 in this side. He's just re-signed. He's a Trebojevic, so they're going to have love for him. He wasn't bad when he was given the opportunity last season. I really think the time is coming where he's going to be the number 17 for them. And eventually, you know, maybe to power moves on and, and he takes over that role. So I did go Bullimore because he's extremely talented. From a super coach perspective, I know I spoke him up like in our very early podcasts, but you need to understand he's already made a hundred K. So he's at 280. He needs to get substantial scores to really make any money that is worthwhile. I feel like he's just going to become a kind of a trap player for you. He's going to score. He's going to be similar. Not something that you can play. He's not going to score high enough to make you the coin. And on top of that, his position will be at risk when certain players come about. Ethan Bullymore reeks of Jermaine Turner-Brown from two years ago, where he got to 300k and then did sweet FA and just sat there and plodded along and actually lost money at 300k. So, look, I was keen on Bullymore. Um, I think a lot of people were keen on Bullymore, but it does feel like a trap. It feels like the money that he was going to make has been made, as, as you said. I just don't see him making any more. No, look, he's not on my radar. I'd take George Burgess for 33 grand cheaper. Probably guaranteed a bench spot as well. I'm hoping that some other people come about, like Moroa. He could be there. Nassi's coming back, we heard this week. So it might be less likely, but I still think he has a place in the 17. At least at 205, he can make something. You know, if you hold him long enough and then hopefully over Origin, maybe you get some extra minutes and you can sell him for, say, 150 profit. It's something. I don't know if you're going to get that from Bullimore because for him to make 150, he needs to hit 420. And then you're talking a 45 to 55 average per week. And I just don't see it happening. 
Nor do I. Um, I had two sheepies listed here to talk about, one being Ben Travojevic, one being Ethan Bullymore. We've touched on both of those. But a little birdie told me you may have some news to give us outside or inside of Manly. No, it's not Manly. It's not Manly. All right, well, we've got our things mixed up. And um, I did say that I was going to start the podcast with this, and I've been trying to find a way to butt in, but I'm too polite. All right, so, just tell so me my shut news up. is... Yeah, I should have I should have done that. So, uh, my news. So, I got a photo this morning uh, from somebody inside a camp from a particular club, and that club is the Bulldogs, who we did last Friday, I think it was. And I got a photo of the top 17 playing the reserve 17. And they did have numbers on, and they did have different colour jerseys on. I did see Jack Hetherington lining up on an edge. Can you confirm or deny this? No, that's not the particular photo that's that was sent to me. In the number three in this photo that I was sent, I remember I mentioned a bloke called Paul Alamardi and how they have really high raps on him. He was in the number three. So I, I, I can't confirm or deny whether or not Naden maybe he's sick, maybe I don't know if he's dealing with COVID, maybe he's got a niggle. But in this practice session that I got the photos from, he was wearing the number three jersey. So that must be some pressure on him or he must be knocking the door down. I tell you what, this, I tell you what this... spot in the centers and he is a bottom dollar center cheapy. This reeks of the news out of the Broncos camp yesterday in the 13 on 13 where Brett and Pierre Cora was favored over TC Rabadi. So another bit of cheapy news that TC Rabadi was training behind. Um, Look, Brent, and Brent we don't know if, if if this was just a hey. I love Supercoach, man. We're going to try me... this seventeen and whatnot, and I don't want to get everyone, you know, up in arms if he's not named on TLT starting at centre. Obviously, Brent Naden's his competitor. He's a very good player. We know that he won a premiership last year. But as I said on the Bulldogs pot, I know he's knocking the door down. They rate him extremely highly. And he is training in the number three. So at least... Is he training the house down there? We know. <laughs> That's the most oh, important question. Coach. Is he super training coach. the house he down? He must be training the house down. Shout out to Ayush for that one. That's his team name. Um, no, basically so just... there or thereabouts, which means that, you know, we were talking about Tass and, and you know, it looks like Tass is not going to get the start. Do you suddenly look at an NPR in Alamadi? They well, that, have a that very feeds tough in, draw. That feeds into our point. Remember we made the, the looping point a couple of uh, episodes ago about taking Bulldogs guys because they play later in the week. Could be a perfect example of taking um, this guy. Take what Brew's saying with a pinch of salt uh, because, mate, I've put my balls in the line before and uh, taken inside sources, cough, cleary, cough, and it's turned out poorly. Um, but it's good to have this kind of information because then you can know that, like, if it happens, then... Um, we can use this kind of information in the future, but it, it is interesting that that he is training. Even if he, even if he's not starting, even if he's behind Naden, it's good to know that he is there. Like he's not, Close. he's not. Th- That's th- what I mean. Yeah, he's not fourth, fifth on the depth chart. He's second, um, which is which is good to know. Um, similar to the to the Braden Pierre news training over TC Rabadi. So. I reckon that's going to wrap it up for today in the Manly Pod. We've been going for about forty six minutes, which is good times. Um. I like Manly this year. I think they're one of the most exciting sides that play footy uh, on the back of one person. They're one of the worst sides to watch without that one person. 
And uh, yeah, the entire beaches of Manly's weight fall on on Turbo's shoulders this year. Yeah, they do, but they always do, and we know that. Back to back, Dallium. If if he plays twenty five rounds, absolutely. If he plays, um, if he if he plays sixteen, seventeen, like he did last year, <laughs> maybe. Um, we know he's that good, but. Like, I honestly, I'm expecting him to play 20-plus games this season. Maybe he gets some rests in there, and that's fine. Like, with that type of player that has that type of influence on your team and your results, I understand if they rest him from time to time. Nothing more frustrating but, for Supercoach when you've got the captaincy on him and you see the, uh, the, injury, the, the interchange card come up after 60 minutes, or you just see Manly score their 60th point of the game to be 60-0 up, and then you just see, uh, you see Tommy, Tommy walk to the sideline. It's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Mind you, he's on 220 plus by then. They've got 60 points. So you wouldn't be too disappointed. You would be because you'd be, you know, we're super coach players. We're, you know, greedy. We'd be wanting a 300, but at the same time, you'd be pretty happy. I honestly can see the Seagulls going as well as first and probably as low as fifth. That's if Turbo plays, that's their range. Oh, if Turbo, if Turbo plays, if Turbo plays the whole season, there is no, like, there's there's a definitely a world where Manly get the minor premiership if he plays the whole season. Because yeah, and, and it's that's ridiculous. what I was saying when I picked him to come fourth. Like, it's really hard because what if he doesn't? And, and like, what if he gets injured round one and I've predicted him to come fourth and they come 15th? Like, that's what you have to think of. So I've kind of gone safe and said, you know what? They'll finish fourth. Oh, yeah, you, you can't pick in the middle. Like, if you think, if you reasonably think... finish second, for example, I still think Penrith will finish first this year, but they could finish second, honestly. Yeah, you can't play safe though. Like, like if you think, oh, they could come first, they could come last. I might pick them in eighth. It, that's not how it works. Like, it's it's they're, they're either there or they're not. There's no there's no middle ground. So. Oh, they're there. <laughs> they're hundred percent there, and they're a premiership threat. And if if I had a crystal ball that said that Turbo was playing 25 rounds this year, or 24 minus buys, whatever, I would sit there and go, they'll be in the grand final this year. But we just don't know. We don't know indeed, and that is the beauty of this game. That's going to wrap it up for today. We will be back Friday talking about another team. I think it might be Melbourne, which will be, will be a very interesting pod because I'm getting drawn to Cam Munster, but I don't know if I can do it. Melbourne will be a fun pod, uh, pod, pod. But just for the uh, viewers, that's on Monday, not Friday. Today is Friday. Today's Friday. Oh, it is too. I've been off work for two days, so I've lost my, my lost my <laughs> lost my bearings. We'll be back Monday, guys. Uh, I've been your host, Yassi Whisperer. I've been Joy Barassi. Um, lot of love for the pod, which is great to see. Like, subscribe, follow, review, rate, whatever you guys want to do to try and spread the good word of two blokes with no idea talking a whole lot of smack. Mate, I'll see you Monday. Yeah, just before we go, I did promise this. I've uh, I've got a lot of fans at work and they're all viewers of the podcast. And I do thank you guys for that. I just want to shout out the Alpha Kenny One Cup, which I joined today and I'm going to win. It's a cash league. So, boys, you better bring your A game because Bruce going to take your money. Reference that went over 95% of the population, but as long as Brew got his little plug in, that's all that matters. Bye for now. Bye for now, guys. Bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.